Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our seniors pastor, Dan Olson. Good morning. Pastor Derek, thank you for the early Father's Day gift. I love to share the Word of God in messages like this. And to you at home, it's so good to have you here with us. And for all of you who have gathered here today on this Father's Day, Juneteenth as well. For 15 years over in Wisconsin, I was the assistant youth director for the state. So that meant that we did missions trips in the summer. And around the world, we would take 50 to 100 kids, different times, different places. But that also meant that if it wasn't in August, we did it in June. So there were 10 Father's Days where I was not home. So I treasure days at home like this on Father's Day. And again... Thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. Would you stand with me as I just share this one verse and a word of prayer for our day? Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Father, thank you for the word of God. It brings comfort, it brings hope, it gives direction, and it challenges us every day if we'll allow it to. And it's the directive for our lives and how to live our lives. And this simple verse early, early on in the chapter of Genesis lets us know that we are directed by God to be conformed to your image, to look like you. And so help us to do that. And this word is designed to help us to accomplish that this morning. It's a, it's a Father's Day message, but it, it applies to everyone here, man or woman. And I just pray your anointing and your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've uh, given the tech team a few pictures. I want to put those up. So this is my dad, Back in about 1947, he was attending North Central Bible College for the one year. And then he got married and he had to leave. But uh, that's my, my dad. And then this picture is of me some years back. The next one, who laughed? Who laughed? I think there's some resemblance. Um, this next picture is from a young Olson family. It's my wife, Pama, our youngest daughter, youngest daughter, our only daughter, Dana, and our son, Derek, the one with the correct spelling, D-E-R-E-K, but, uh, and myself. And then the last one is the kids, they were uh, together up in uh, Grand Marais, uh, recently and we took this picture of this so this is all of our family and I put those pictures up simply for this reason when you look at pictures particularly parental pictures and then the kids oftentimes you can see a resemblance 
you can say, ooh, that's your dad, or I see your dad in you, I see mom in you, that type of thing. And so that's the reason of what we're doing here today. Our kids are growing. They're in their upper 30s and 40s. And we still see things in them that remind us that they are our kids. All four of our children love storms, or all two of our children love storms. And my wife does to a certain extent, except when a tornado warning comes through, me and the kids would be out in the garage with the garage door up, waiting to see the funnel clouds, watching the sky turn green, that kind of thing. We love that. My wife would be in the basement with the dog. Dog would be underneath the couch. My wife would be yelling for us to try to come down as well. But there's a certain love for storms. That's kind of an inherited thing. Um, all four of us, my wife and kids, we love to keep things neat and tidy. I'll do that with my car. I'll do that with my office. We'll do that at home. Um, come by the house and it's going gonna, it's gonna to look pretty clean and neat and put together most any day that you show up. Um, some things they didn't get from me, all, both of them love to read. My wife loves to read. I, I doctor told me, you know, 30 years ago, he said, do you ever fall like, you feel like you're going to fall asleep when you're reading? And I said, absolutely. He said, well, that's because your eyes don't connect the way that they're supposed to. So I'm a terrible, terrible reader. But uh, they, they picked up that habit and that desire from their, from their mother. But all of us have those things that we inherit from our parents and an awful lot of that look. So when somebody looks at you, I've had people say, ooh, that's Ken and Florence right there. I see that. It is God's purpose for you to look like God. And your whole reason for being right now is to develop that character of God in you for an eternity that you're going to spend with him. It's your destiny. From God, from the very beginning, God's plan has been to make you look like him, to act like him. And he did so by giving you an example to follow his son, Jesus Christ. I don't do it so much anymore, but I used to love to put together models. This is a 1995 GMC Sonoma. I drive a 2003 Sonoma. It looks very, very similar to this, and you'll always find it parked out in the, uh, in the lot there. But I keep this in my office, and when I'm putting together a model, or I'm putting together a puzzle, what do you do? You go back and you look often at the picture. Say, what's this supposed to look like? You're confused by a part of where it goes. And does this fit here? And especially with a puzzle, I suppose you would, you would do that more often than not. Does this color frame work with this part of, of the picture? And God has given us this amazing picture of who he is. And he gives you the snapshot of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's found right here. And when you look at this and when you read this, it tells you on a regular basis, this is who we're imitating 
and it'll help you to fine tune so that your life looks more like him today than it did yesterday. That's why we stay in the word of God on a regular, regular basis. In all of creation, only human beings are created in God's image. Like God, we are spiritual beings. Our spirits are immortal and will outlast our earthly bodies. Like God, we are intellectual. We can think, we can reason, and we can solve problems. Like God, we are relational. We can give and receive uh, love. Like God, we have a moral conscience, and we can discern right from wrong, which makes us accountable to God. All of mankind possesses parts of the image. No matter who you are here today, you are created in the image of God. So there's a part of you that looks very much like God himself, your creator. But that image, depending on, on you and depending on how you've lived your life and how long you've lived your life with Christ, that image is incomplete and has been damaged. It has been distorted by sin. So God sent Jesus, his son, on a mission to restore that image that we have all lost. What does the full image of Jesus Christ look like? What does the full image of God look like? Well, Jesus Christ. You want to know what God looks like? You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus right here through the word of God. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Ephesians 4.2 says that we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, thus the title, like father, like son. A family resemblance, a family resemblance should be seen. When people look at you, they should be able to see the Father through you. 30 years ago, back when I was youth pastoring, these names were a lot more popular. Um, Shirley MacLaine and Ted Turner, they had a message that they were sharing, and it was very, very wrong. They were wrong in their statements, believing that everybody should become a God themselves. We are not gods, and we never will be gods. That is Satan's oldest lie to mankind. And he did so with Adam and Eve in the garden, telling them that they would be like God. If you read chapter 3, those first few verses there, and then in verse 4, Satan says to Eve, you will not surely die because Eve had said, Satan says, first of all, can you not, what about these trees and, and what did God tell you? And Eve said, well, God said that we can't, we can eat all these trees. And somebody said there's like 3,000 different fruit trees. So maybe Garden of Eden had 3,000 trees around them bearing different fruits. But God did say, of the one tree here, you can't eat 
from that tree or you will surely die. Eve changed that to saying that if we touch that tree, you will surely die. So Satan picks up on that and he begins to play with those words even though they're false words, but he plays with them. And I'm guessing that it would have looked something like this. He would have taken that tree and he would have looked and he would have pulled a piece of fruit off. He said, look, Eve, I'm looking, I'm looking at the fruit. I'm holding the fruit. I can smell the fruit. I can imagine how good it tastes. And did you notice, Eve, that even though I touched the fruit, I did not die? And he gets to play with us and he tempts us like that. He questioned the word of God and then he challenged the word of God. Back in chapter two, God did say that if you eat from that tree, you will die. And he's talking about, first of all, there's a physical death that will come eventually for you. You're not gonna live forever. But as soon as you eat from that tree, that fruit, you will spiritually die. Two different kinds of deaths there. Spiritual death, physical death. And both of them would come for Adam and Eve. But the desire that they had to be a God, it shows up. And it shows up in every one of us. Every time we try to control our circumstances, we try to control our future, we try to control the people around us. And we're trying to control those things. And when we do so, we're trying to become God ourselves. Let me tell you this this morning, that God doesn't want you to become a God. God wants you to become godly. Huge, huge difference between becoming a God, there's only one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in form of one. You are not gonna ever be a God, but God does want you to become godly. And he wants you to take on his values and his attitude attitudes and his character. Ephesians 4 verse 22 and 24 to 24 in the message says it like this, take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. He's reproducing himself in you on a daily basis. God's ultimate goal for your life on earth, and this is taught in a different way by some people. I just, I, I, I think they're wrong, and I think they've, they've missed something. But God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, but it's character. God does not want to give you a pure life of comfort right now. What he wants for right now is for you to develop character so that you can become like him and you can represent him and you can do the work that he's called you to do. And we're going to spend an eternity in heaven with him. And that's where that character will become more and more like him as we are fully sanctified. But he doesn't want the life of comfort right now, which so many are wanting to teach and preach for this day right now. 
He will do whatever he needs to do to accomplish that in you. And so he gives us the word of God. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul gives us the fruits of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul tells us about the importance of love. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about the character that should be in each believer. Everything that God allows to happen in your life is to develop all of those things in you. And so there are circumstances. There are the things that are going to happen to you in the future. And there are people that God allows into your life. These are things that we desire to change. That little God in us wants to change them. We want to get rid of them. But God is saying, hey, no, 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 wait, not so fast. Because those are the pieces I'm going to use to develop my character in you. God wants to use them. We want to get rid of them. God says, I want to use them. We must always remember that this is not heaven yet. Heaven is to come. This is not heaven. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is speaking with Pharisees and others. And he talks about the promise of life more abundantly. Give you life more abundantly. Well, that does not mean a promise of perfect health. That does not mean a comfortable lifestyle. Your life is going to be lived out in a lazy boy. No, that's not the case. It is not going to be constant happiness or instant relief from problems through faith and prayer. There's an awful lot of that that comes. But it's not going to be that way for every one of us every day, all those things working together the way that we want them to. He's talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees' way of life will lead to death. But Jesus said, follow that way, you're going to die. But follow my way, and I'm going to give you life more abundantly. And it's going to be a lot of it will begin right here. But it's going to be culminating in heaven with me for eternity. Why would God provide heaven on earth when he has the real thing planned for us in eternity? So don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when there are some things that come along that aren't quite lining up with what we want for our lives. Realize that God is using those things right now in that moment to develop your character, to become more like Christ. Our time on earth is to build and strengthen our character for heaven. And sometimes that does mean pain and discomfort. No pain, no gain. That's kind of a theme for us while we're here on this earth. There will be pain, but we're going to gain from it. Strength comes from exercise. Back in high school, I remember those July and August days when we're getting ready for football and we are running sprints out there, you know, and it feels like it's 100 degrees and we're popping salt tablets and we're drinking water. Those were not fun times, but if you don't do those days, there's no way that you can play the game because you'll never make it. When we did baseball, cardinal conditioners, that was a regular part of 
are, are improving our bodies to get ready to play that sport. So while here on earth, it is, our, it is the job of the Holy Spirit to produce Christ-like character in each of us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, a wonderful, wonderful verse. says, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which leads from the Father, which comes from the Father, who is the Spirit. It's a large S, talking about the Holy Spirit. When uh, Pastor Derek and I were both on staff out in Olympia, Washington together, it's the theme for that church, and it really gave guidance and control to most of what we did, but its theme was simply this, transforming spiritual hunger into devotion to God. And that's what God wants to do in you. He wants to transform you, and I love the three words, ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory in every one of us here this morning. That process of being changed to be more like Jesus is called sanctification. It's needed. It's necessary. It better be happening in every one of our lives, even as we sit here this morning. Salvation comes in a moment, but sanctification comes in a lifetime. There's a moment when we accept Christ into our life and he becomes Lord of our lives and we're saved. And should we die at that moment, we'd immediately be with him. But sanctification is what he does in us throughout our lifetime so that we are more like him and we spend an eternity with him in heaven together. You cannot, you cannot reproduce Christ's character in you alone. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to make those changes in you. So Christ's likeness is not produced by imitation, but by inhabitation. It's got to be from inside, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to help us to make the right choices. And if you're not making the right choices today, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have enough of you. And the Holy Spirit has not come in and fully controlled your life like he needs to. All right. Finally, I get to this infamous note sheet that Pastor Derek made fun of. It's not as bad as it looks. These things will come very quickly to you. And as I share them, these three points. Also, I, 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 I had this in one of my books up in my on my bookshelves, and I've had it for years, but I, I just was reminded of it the last couple of weeks. And I saw it and I thought, oh, that's really good. So 10 ways to be a great father, some great words of recommendation, a little description of how to do that. And I would encourage every one of you dads, take this and read it through and uh, implement where you can in your life those things. All right, number one, we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work. Whenever you take a step of faith, the Holy Spirit releases his power in you. So we go back to the Old Testament. When the children of Israel left Egypt, God separated the waters of the Red Sea, and they were able to walk across on dry ground. But after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, it was time for them to go and occupy the promised land. And they came up to the Jordan River, and it was flowing probably at flood stage even, very intimidating to look at. 
The promised land's on the other side. And God said this to the leadership. said, step into the water. Once you put your feet in the water, you, the priest, Joshua, then the water will stop flowing. And that's exactly what they did. So that leads to this point. It's a great thing to write down. Obedience unlocks God's power. Obedience unlocks God's power. God waits for you to act first. Move ahead in your weakness in spite of your fears and feelings. That's how character develops. Effort. Effort has nothing to do with your salvation, but it has everything to do with your spiritual growth. You can't earn your salvation through effort, but effort is needed for you to become sanctified and becoming more like Christ. Eight times in the New Testament, we're told to make every effort to become like Jesus. So Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24, gives us these next three points shows us the three responsibilities to becoming like Christ. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here they are, the three. Number A, or letter A, choose to let go of old ways of acting. Choose to let go of old ways of acting. Verse 22 said to put off or get rid of your old self. I am at heart a hoarder. <laughs> there are things in my basement that have been there since we got married. I started collecting them before we got married. There's a bin, a big Rubbermaid bin, full of my old high school stuff, all right? There's even a pair of shoes from football that I wore, and just so many different things. I just can't get, rid of, get myself to get rid of them, even though I have somebody in my life that would want me to do that. <laughs> the strangest thing I probably have collected would have been about 40 years old now plus but I have my son's belly button when that thing gets clipped off I took it I kept it I wrapped it up in some cellophane put it in there you never know when DNA's you're going to be needed they're going to abduct my child and I can say I got his belly button will that help Better than a toothbrush, better than hair. It's a belly button, come on. Well, it's kind of deteriorated over the year, but I think the DNA is still there. But there are things in our lives that we carry around with us and they're not necessarily good things. Belly buttons are, but other things aren't good. God's saying, let go of those things. I'm better now than I used to be. I... My wife complains that I don't filter enough. I don't filter enough what I'm going to say, but I filter so much better than I used to, you know? And so I feel like I'm gaining on this thing. I'm getting better and better. Letter B is this. Change the way we think. Verse 23 says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. 
And then I give you Romans 12, 2, that says we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do you renew your mind? Well, just about all of it comes right here. You're doing part of it today by being in church, but you're reading this. If you're not reading that and you're looking at the wrong things and you're occupying yourself with the wrong things at home or when you're alone by yourself, you're not renewing your mind. And God's saying, that's going to get a hold of you. It's going to cause so many problems. You're not being conformed to the, the image of his son if that's the case. That word transformed in Greek is metamorphosis. It's the idea of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly, changed from the inside out. The story is told of a, a generation ago when an old farmer brought his family to a big city for the very first time. They had never seen buildings so tall or sites so impressive. The farmer dropped his wife off at a department store and he took his son and he went to the bank. It was the tallest of all the buildings there. As they walked into the lobby, they saw something else that they had never seen before. These two big steel doors opened up. Uh, a woman, an older, elderly woman, probably not in the greatest of shape, walked in. The doors closed. They watched this little arrow go all the way to the side and then come all the way back. The doors reopened and a, a very attractive young gal came walking out. And uh, the father turned to his son and said, you wait right here. I'm going to get your mother and run her through that thing. changed changed from the inside out we have an elevator back here if anybody wants to try it <laughs> letter C put on the character of Christ verse 24 says put on the new self how do we put on the character of Christ by developing new godly habits um, your character is essentially the sum of your habits. Your character right now is who you are, what you're doing, what do your habits look like. So is that a good character that God can be pleased with or no? Your character is the sum of your habits. So how is your character looking today? Number two, God uses his people, his word and circumstances to mold us. Billy Sunday was a great evangelist, baseball player turned evangelist about 100 years ago. He's the first one, I think, that used this illustration. I've seen it duplicated since, but he said this, going to church doesn't make anybody a Christian any more than taking a wheelbarrow into a garage makes it an automobile. Just because you put it in the garage doesn't mean it's going to be an automobile. Just because you sit in church this morning doesn't make you a Christian. Three things here God's going to use. God's going to use his word, his people, and his circumstances. So the first one, God's word. I give you the verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. It provides the truth that we need to grow by. Letter B, God's people provides the support we need to grow. 
Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Number C, letter C, circumstances provides the environment we need to practice Christ-likeness. Romans 8, 28, in all these things, God works for the good to those who love him. Far more than Bible study and prayer are needed for spiritual growth. A man once testified in one of D.L. Moody's meetings, probably thinking that he's going to get a little bit of praise from D.L. Moody. And he's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. And the man said, you know what? I lived on the Mount of Transfiguration for five years. D.L. Moody, the evangelist, comes back and says, well, how many souls did you lead to Christ last year? Moody bluntly asked him, and well, the man hesitated, I don't know. Have you saved anybody? Moody asked, persisted. I don't know that I have, the man admitted. Well, said Moody, we don't want that kind of mountaintop experience. When a man gets up so high that he cannot reach down and save poor sinners, there is something wrong. And at the bottom of that mount of transfiguration, there's a young boy who's demon-possessed and needs to be set free. And God is telling you, I want you to have a great experience with me. I want you to get close to me, but I've got work for you to do down at the bottom of this time that we have together. Simon Stylites lived about 400 years after Christ. He wanted to achieve holiness, and he thought he could do so by separation from earth. So for 37 years, he lived his life on top of a 60-foot pillar near Antioch. People would send him up food, but he lived up there. He didn't come down for 37 years. Very hard to be salt and light when you're separated from mankind like that. You cannot grow to Christ-likeness in isolation. Why? Because true spiritual maturity is all about learning to love like Jesus. And you can't do that without being in relationship with other people. Charlie Brown is one of my favorite theologians. And uh, the stories that come with him and what he writes about shows us in his character strips, cartoon strips. Well, Charlie Brown's young friend, Linus, made the mistake of confessing to his big sister, Lucy, that he wanted to be a doctor when he grew up. Now, you got to remember, this was the Lucy who prompted her little brother to once remark that big sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. She was not there to help him too often or encourage him. Well, Lucy was astounded at her big, her little brother's declaration. She said, you, a doctor? That's a laugh. You could never be a doctor. And you know why? Because you don't love humankind. Young Linus immediately responded, I do too love humankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> we, we fall into that category once in a while, don't we? Linus was expressing a feeling shared by many. Humankind is easy to love. The difficulty and challenge comes in developing one-to-one relationships. So God is going to use his word. He's going to use people. He's going to use circumstances to mold us in his image. Number three, becoming like Christ is a long, slow process of growth. 
you are a work in progress, a work that will take the rest of your life and it won't even be completed until you reach heaven. First John 3, 2, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. There's perfection for us that's coming, but it's not here yet. The story has been told of a do-it-yourselfer who went into a hardware store early one morning and asked for a saw. Salesman took a chainsaw off of the display shelf and he commented that this is our newest model with the latest in technology. It's guaranteed to cut 10 cords of firewood in a day. The customer thought that sounded pretty good, so he bought it on the spot. The next day, the customer returned, looking somewhat exhausted. Ah, something must be wrong with this saw, he moaned. I, I worked as hard as I could and only managed to cut three cords of wood with it. I used to do four with my old saw. Well, looking confused, the salesman said, well, give it to me. Let's go on the back. I got some wood. Let's, let's try it out and see how it's doing back there. So they went back to the wood pile. The salesman pulled the cord, and as the motor went vroom, the customer leaped back and exclaimed, what's that noise? <laughs> he didn't understand all the power that was available to him to do the job properly. We can't do it, guys. We can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I am so frustrated, can't believe it, how many pastors will never even talk about the Holy Spirit to their church congregations. That is the key to us. That's why we do a Holy Spirit, the Holy Smoke, what do we call it? Yeah, more. That's why we do that, because we need the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. We, that's the power that God is giving to us so that we can become made like him. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I, get, I give you two ver passages of scripture that talk about different things. One being filled with the Spirit, one being filled with the Word of Christ. But they're remarkably alike. Ephesians 5 verse 18 on. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, continual filling. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then give you this one from Colossians 3, 16 and 17 also. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The parallels here are so significant. The result from being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Word of God or the Word of God in filling your life are remarkably the same. To remain filled with the Spirit, to keep His sanctifying work and operation in our lives, we will be continually filled with the Word of God. Sanctification is an inside job. Okay, it has to start inside of us. 
It's a work from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 3.18, wonderful verse. As the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. After the dedication of uh, his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. Three times dad asked, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Finally, a little boy spoke up and said, that preacher said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home. And I wanted to stay with you guys. What a wonderful blessing is the Christian family. Now on this Father's Day, we're reminded how crucial is the role of the father who puts God first, makes it truly a Christian family. I hope that doesn't mean I'm done because I got just a couple, couple quick minutes. I found this article, it's, a, it's an opinion piece that appeared, uh, Jack Brown wrote it and it appeared this last week. It's called America's Crisis is a Lack of Fathers. And he gives these statistics. He says 18 million don't have active fathers. 18 million children don't have active fathers in their life today. 80% of single parent homes are led by single mothers, 80%. 85% of children with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children comes from fatherless homes. How valuable is dad to be at home to be the father, to represent Christ, what the family of God should look like. Dads, you are so important to making that happen. Every one of us needs to be continually changed, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29, from the very beginning, God decided that those who come to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son, so that his son would be the first with many brothers. Mother was preparing pancakes for her two boys, Kevin age five and Ryan age three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. The mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. She said, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. To which Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. And I say to you, each one of you, you be Jesus, all right? On a wall near the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, is a portrait with the following inscription. James Butler Bonham, no picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. No literal picture exists of Jesus either 
but the likeness of the son who makes us free can be seen in the lives of his true followers. And here coming out of Celebration Church today, walking through these doors into this world, there's a couple hundred people who look just like Jesus. I want to be one of those. The whole world is waiting to see what Jesus looks like. Your family is waiting to see what Jesus looks like. Like father, like son. Here's what I want to do. And I I just, I'm going to ask in a moment's time for the fathers who are present to stand. I'm not going to bring you forward or anything. I just want you to stand because we want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Prayer of anointing over you, that you would have the power of the Holy Spirit to live your life in a correct, powerful, positive way. God can continue to form you, transform you, so that you can better represent who our Heavenly Father is. Dads, fathers, wherever you are, would you stand just as we take a moment to pray over you here this morning? Father, these Men stand. These fathers stand. We are so grateful for each of them. And there is a huge task that you've given to them to help raise their family, to be instrumental in how the family is raised, the children are raised, the wife is treated, all these things. But to do that correctly, we must be imitators of you. And we must have you come in from the inside and transform our lives so that we look more like you than we look like ourselves. So Father, I pray for these that have stood today, that you would anoint them, that you would bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. I'm guessing that in this room, there are some who certainly have made mistakes, probably make mistakes right now. But Lord, help them to see kind of the error of their ways and to be challenged anew today to do better, do better going forward. I'm not going to do that same thing. And it's not our own will that will accomplish that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will accomplish that. So help us to turn to you, Holy Spirit, to allow you to come in and transform our lives. And I'm very well aware too that there may be families represented here today where dad is not present. And it's a, it's a young mother trying to raise children on her own. And even on this Father's Day, I pray for extra special strength for that young mother because she has to fill two roles and she has to do so in a way that doesn't tear apart the thought and the image of who a father is she has to build up a father that's not present in, in a way, way that she can. She doesn't want her children to hate that father. But she needs to build them up so that they can be better challenged to become more like you in their own lives. So strengthen her, give her guidance, give her help, meet the needs that she has. Just be a very good, strong comfort to her today. So Lord, like father, like son, That's our goal. That's our desire. Bless each that are here today in a very special way on this Father's Day. These things we pray in Christ's name.
Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.